Our Father, as we study your word, the Bible, tonight, please help us to see how great you are in your control over creation and especially in your control over people. And please humble us that we might relate to you well because of all you've taught us and helped us to understand. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Exodus chapter 7, beginning at verse 1. And the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of this land. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my hosts, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. Moses and Aaron did so. They did just as the Lord commanded them. Now Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when Pharaoh says to you, prove yourselves by working a miracle, then you shall say to Aaron, take your staff and cast it down before Pharaoh, that it may become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded Aaron. Cast his, sorry, did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers, and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts. For each man cast down his staff, and they became serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Still, Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them, as the Lord had said. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning as he is going out to the water. Stand on the bank of the Nile to meet him and take in your hand the staff that turned into a serpent. And you shall say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews sent me to you saying, let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness. But so far you have not obeyed. Thus says the Lord, by this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, with the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water that is in the Nile, and it shall turn into blood. The fish in the Nile shall die, and the Nile will stink, and the Egyptians will grow weary of drinking water from the Nile. And the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over their rivers, their canals, and their ponds, and all their pools of water, 
so that they may become blood. And there shall be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, even in vessels of wood and in vessels of stone. Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded. In the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants, he lifted up the staff and struck the water in the Nile, and all the water in the Nile turned into blood. And the fish in the Nile died, and the Nile stank, so that the Egyptians could not drink water from the Nile. There was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. But the magicians of Egypt did the same by their secret arts. So Pharaoh's heart remained hardened, and he would not listen to them, as the Lord had said. Pharaoh turned and went into his house. And he did not take even this to heart. And all the Egyptians dug along the Nile for water to drink, for they could not drink the water of the Nile. Seven full days passed after the Lord had struck the Nile. Please keep your Bibles open. Thank you uh, to Hannah uh, for updating us on where we are um, in the book of Exodus. Um, We are in chapter 7, and uh, we're asking this question, who is in charge? Who is in charge? Well, I'm going to show you some photos, um, just to get us thinking about that question. Who is in charge? Okay, who is in charge and who thinks they're in charge? They're two different questions, aren't they? We actually saw this last week. Um, so in Psalm 59, this was the big illustration we had, wasn't it? That um, the evil was on the, on the, on the reins. Um, that was what we learned in Psalm 59 last week. So that's a reminder. Um, perhaps this one. Who's got the big, bigger megaphone? Who's in charge? Uh, I like that one. Um, but we're addressing this question in, in this chapter tonight. Who is in charge? Well, if I read to you some of these, some of these verses, uh, which Hannah has already commented on, um, chapter 1, verse 22 says, Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every son that is born to the Hebrew, Hebrews you shall cast into the Nile. Okay. Chapter 5, verse 6 says, The same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen. Okay. So, Who's giving me orders? So it certainly seems like it's Pharaoh, doesn't it? Pharaoh is exercising all his authority over slave masters, who are each in turn exercising their authority over the slaves, God's people. And Pharaoh certainly thinks himself to be in charge, doesn't he? Look what he says um, in reply to Moses in chapter 5. He says this, Who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord and I will not let Israel go. Well, that's a great question. Who is the Lord? It is the question of this chapter. And it's the question of this book. And so, along with the most powerful man in the history of Egypt... We're going to be learning who this God of the Israelites and slavery is, right here in this chapter. We'll first see this, that the Lord is the greatest. He is in charge. 
And secondly, we'll see that the Lord is good, that he will rescue his people. So the first big lesson for Pharaoh and for us is this. The Lord is the greatest. He is in charge. Well, we see that at the start, don't we? Uh, from verses 1 through to uh, 8. Uh, 1 through to 5. It op- this chapter opens with God telling Moses exactly what is about to happen. Exactly what is about to happen. It says in verse 1, And the Lord said to Moses, See how I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my hosts, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. And uh, as has been mentioned, if you look down to the rest of the chapter, you'll see, you'll notice there are two encounters uh, between Moses and Aaron and um, between Pharaoh and Moses and Aaron in this chapter. Uh, the first one is in uh, the palace in verses 8 to 13. And the second is by the river in verses 14 to 24. Well, who is the Lord? The Lord is the greatest. Why? How do we know this? Well, let's look at our first encounter in verses 8 to 13. We learn that the Lord rules over all creation. God tells Moses and Aaron that Pharaoh will demand a miracle from them. If Aaron throws down his staff, it will become a snake. It might have looked a little bit like this. In verse, in verse 10... It actually happens. Verse 10. So they, they threw it down. Aaron cast his staff down before Pharaoh and his servants and it became a serpent. Wow. That's pretty cool, isn't it? I mean, that is a great thing to be able to do. Um, we all love to be able to do that, I'm sure. But you know what? Pharaoh's not impressed and he's not that excited. He's not reacting the same way as we would uh, for this. If you look at his response, what does he do in verse 11? Uh, then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers, and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts. Well, it's less wow, and it's more easy-peasy for Pharaoh, as he immediately summons the necessary people uh, to, to replicate this kind of power. And the demonstration fails, right? Wrong. Why? How do we know that it wasn't a failure? Let's ask some questions. Is turning a staff into a snake the full extent of God's power? No. Could God, could God do something even more impressive? Yes, of course he could. And did, so did God intend it? to impress us, or to impress Pharaoh, then? No. So what is it for? Well, this visual sign was sufficient enough to give Pharaoh and us a clear, an important truth about who this God is. 
This God rules over all creation. Something that was lifeless is given life, just like that. The God who created the animals and made humans from the dust produces a snake from wood. In other words, this is the God of all life. And Pharaoh is the God of your life. It's an important truth. But for Pharaoh, this is the point completely. Why does Pharaoh miss the point? Well, he, he gets into a bit of a game with God, doesn't he? He thinks that he can just um, replicate God's power. He thinks it's all about a power thing. And actually, I think, the more I've been thinking about this, I think this goes on today, doesn't it? Because maybe like Pharaoh, we, we may think if we can just mimic some of God's power on earth, then he doesn't really exist. Do you see the logic? It's, it's really bad logic. Because basically, it's writing God out of the picture based on being able to replicate his power. But um, this is really how it works. If we reject the idea that there is no God above us, uh, and there there is a God above us, then we will believe this. Um, And we need to see that this kind of thinking is an age-old game in just a new box with a new name. So let's pick some topics. Uh, Gender. Who decides that? That's the big question at the moment, isn't it? Who decides that? Is it us? Is it God? Um, is it uh, who decides when a life should start or end? Whose power is that? Ours or God's? <laughs> so um, we play God and we actually believe ourselves. We actually believe ourselves. But um, this is the real warning of Exodus 7. This is not only pure, poor logic to think like this. It's a really good way to miss warning signs. It's the way in which Pharaoh misses the warning sign. Um, and we'll see that as we go through. So the first thing is that the Lord rules over all creation. He gives an everyday example, something that other people can do, to try and make his point to Pharaoh, but he misses it because he thinks it's all about trying to impress him. It's not trying to impress him. He's trying to communicate to him who the Lord is. Okay, the next one we see, we'll get rid of the snake. It's a bit scary, isn't it? The next one we see in verses 14 to 24 is the second encounter. We see that the Lord will judge. Let's pick up the action. Well, what happens when you say no to this God? What will happen? Well, back in verse 4, God told Moses and Aaron that this would happen. He said, Then I will lay my hand on Egypt, and with mighty acts of judgment, I will bring out my divisions, my people, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt. Uh, Let's pick up the action in uh, down by the river in the second encounter in verse 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning as he is going out to the water. Stand on the bank of the Nile to meet him and stand, take in your hand the staff that turned into a serpent. And you shall say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, sent me to you, saying, Let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness. But so far you have not obeyed. Thus says the Lord, By this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, with the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water that is in the Nile, and it shall turn into blood. The fish in the Nile shall die, and the Nile will stink. 
and the Egyptians will grow weary of drinking water from the Nile. And the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over their rivers, their canals and their ponds, and all their pools of water, so that they may become blood, and there shall be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, even in vessels of wood and in vessels of stone. So, what do we learn? We learn that the ten plagues, or this, which is, this is the first of those, what is commonly known as the ten plagues, um, are acts of judgment on Egypt because Pharaoh will not obey Yahweh, the Lord. Um, here it is. Ready? Ooh. That's all the animation you're going to get, I'm afraid. <laughs> it's not quite IMAX 3D. <laughs> um, but we will get these warnings wrong, won't we? If we think they're just party tricks or lots of failed attempts by God because Pharaoh is just too stubborn. Why do we have ten plagues? Um, well, notice two things uh, from that verse uh, 4. The final effect of these displays of judgment on Egypt is, one, so that the Israelites will be released from captivity, and, and the upshot of it is that the Egyptians will know the Lord. This is what God is doing. So what can Egypt know about the Lord? The blood's everywhere. It's in the houses, it's absolutely everywhere. What does the Nile turning into blood? It's all a bit confusing, isn't it? But, well, I think the simple truth that the Lord, um, could tr- he, we had the warning, didn't we, of life, um, uh, God making something out of death, out that wasn't alive, and he made it living. Um, and this is even more kind of a severe warning, isn't it? So a place of life, which gave the city life, um, which brought life to the city, becomes a place of death. And it's a visual sign, isn't it? Everyone can see it. Um, everyone can see that. So it is a warning that the Lord will judge. By this you shall know that I am the Lord. The Nile was the river that sustained all life in Egypt, which some would even have worshipped as a god itself. By this you shall know that I am the Lord. In one movement its life-giving waters are turned into the flow of death, blood. The fresh waters become the stench of dead fish. Anyone for Ribena? (laughs) I don't think so. By this you shall know that I am the Lord. Sure, the magicians can copycat again. We get that, don't we? The magicians of Egypt did the same things by their secret arts. Well, what's the good in that? They just end up with less water and even more blood. It is like, it is laughable, isn't it? But they are, you know, they're giving it a go. Yuck. Um, It's important for us to see here that there is an order to God's dealing with Pharaoh too. Um, judgment doesn't come straight away, does it? What's the order? He first sends his messengers, then he gives a sign, but if these are not taken notice of, then there will be judgment. We must heed the clear warning about the progression of God's plans 
to those that oppose him. And it's actually the kindness of God that there are warning signs that he is not happy with us and that we need to change our ways. God is patiently loving to send messengers and warnings, but if we keep on proudly as if we are God, then we too can expect his judgment. We're going to be seeing lots more of the acts of judgment that God brings to Egypt in the next few chapters. There's, there's lots of them. Um, but as we do, let's remember that in judgment, God is bringing rescue to his people and making himself known to more people. The ten different plagues says more about God's patience and his desire that people should first know him as God. So that's the second thing. The Lord will judge. Well, there's one last thing under the Lord is the greatest here in this chapter. And it's this. The Lord controls... Sorry, let's be continued there. Uh, The Lord controls the hearts of men. And the interesting thing about it, we see this three times in this chapter, um, in the, um, the briefing that God gives to uh, Moses and Aaron in verse 3, um, and then twice in the narration in verses 13 and 22. And the interesting thing is about this, is that whereas the first two, the previous two, seem to be first for the benefit of Pharaoh and the benefit of Egypt, this one seems to be given, I just, I just see this, that it just seems to be given for the benefit of God's people. He gives it to Moses. He tells him this. Um, He controls the hearts of men. Um, Let's look at the two narrations. Uh, In verse 13, it says, after um, the snake, it says, Yet Pharaoh's heart became hard, and he would not listen to them, just as the Lord had said. And we saw that. That's referring to verse 3, isn't it? Uh, Verse 22, it says, And Pharaoh's heart became hard. He would not listen to Moses and Aaron just as the Lord had said. Instead, he turned and went back into his palace and did not even take this to heart. Well, here we get a clear picture, don't we, of what pride does to a person. Pride stops us from listening, doesn't it? Because we think we know it already. What have we got to learn? You can ask my wife. This happens all the time. Um, I am very proud. Um, I don't listen. But it is the ultimate pride, isn't it, to think that we're bigger than God. And you notice that for Pharaoh, this was simply saying no to him. I don't know what your life is like. Uh, I won't make any judgments, but we all say no to God. And it would be easier for us at this point to look at Pharaoh and say, well, Pharaoh's behaviour is classic superiority complex. He's a dictator. Um, That happens. It's gone to his head. But we need to see that the reality is far more common than widespread. What's wrong with Pharaoh? Two things. Pharaoh was unwilling to recognise two things about God. He was unwilling to recognise who God is. At the heart of Pharaoh's arrogance is an unwillingness to accept the God that is God. We see that, don't we? It's obvious on the outside looking in. It's ugly. It's laughable. But it's not funny. It's crazy. The second thing, Pharaoh is unwilling to recognise who he is under God. 
All authority we have in this world has been given to us. Whether we realise it or not, we are not we are all under the final authority of God. So in Genesis, mankind is given dominion over the animals. And in some sense, the animals rule over the earth. But there is an ultimate ruler. We need to see from this that when we say no to God, it is always for these reasons. We're unwilling to recognise who God is. We're unwilling to recognise who we are under God. Uh, but God revealed, didn't he, with, to Moses, right at the beginning of this chapter, he said these words, he says, but I will harden Pharaoh's heart. Now that might, not be, that might be something that's not particularly comfortable to us, uh, but this is the truth, this is where it will ultimately end for Pharaoh. Pharaoh is given opportunity after opportunity to hear, see, know, and submit to the Lord. But he decides not to. And I think the, the indictment against Pharaoh is right there at, the, at verse 22, right towards the end. It says these words. So Pharaoh's heart remained hard and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. In verse 23, Pharaoh turned and went into his house and he did not even take this to heart. So Pharaoh returns to a place where he feels in charge. He goes back to his palace. He wants to be in a place where he feels like he's, he's the boss. And he doesn't take the things that have happened to heart. But the shock to us here is that what starts out as Pharaoh hardening his own heart, as we hit, kind of hear the language of his heart was hard, his heart was hardening, um, and sometimes we hear it as Pharaoh hardened his heart, will actually result in God hardening his heart. So later on in the, in the plagues, we're going to see this, that, that God will harden Pharaoh's heart, and that's what he's referring to. So this is the God that controls the hearts of men. That was point three, under the Lord is the greatest. I hope we're, we're all still here. Um, well, how do we... Um, okay, I, I still need to do the application for this. Um, for Christians, then, because I did say that this is, seems to be for the benefit of Moses and Aaron and for the, Mos for the benefit of those listening in. Um, what does this mean for us? Well, Christians today who share the message of the gospel and experience rejection or fear it, it does seem like God wants to give you the inside track. Your work is helping others to see that he is both good and great. And we have a message and we have a sign that God has given us. We'll get to that a bit later, but please notice that the problem was not with the message in Pharaoh's case. It wasn't a problem with the sign. The problem was a hardness of heart that doesn't want to listen. And it is ultimately God who controls the hearts hearts towards the message of who he is. It's his choice, and he alone has power. We can't. And this should make us prayerfully dependent and ask God and asking God to do that. And it will help us to understand knockbacks, painful knockbacks, 
as we do that, remembering that God is the one who softens hearts and he is supreme over hard hearts. We have a message and we must share it. We can trust that God will do what is best for making himself known and the good of his people. Um, so the last thing we see is that the Lord is good. Sure, he's great. We've seen that, haven't we? He's in control. He's in the driving seat. But he's good. And we see that because he will rescue his people. Uh, we saw back in uh, chapter 3, God said these words, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. God cares about his people, and he cares about their suffering. God hears, and he is concerned. It may not happen straight away, as we saw last week, but God is going to rescue them. God is going to rescue them. Just imagine what life would have been like, like under Pharaoh. The work is back-breaking, it's inhumane. Many were dying of exhaustion or the beating they were receiving. And all the while, you could well be mourning the death of your firstborn son. So this is, this is that kind of torment and, and the grief that goes along with it. It's, it's a painful, painful place for God's people to be in. But the truth is that God will rescue his people. And this truth takes us right back to before Moses was born. And even right back to the start of the Bible. Because God called a people to be his own. And despite their unruliness, he made a promise to make them numerous and give them a land of their own. This is God keeping that promise. He is good. And we can trust him. The Lord is good. Well, um, second part of this is that he does this for us to know him. So, the repeated phrase in this book is that they will know that I am the Lord. By this they will know that I am the Lord. Whether it's judgment, a sign, by this they will know that I am the Lord. In the process of the Egyptians seeing that God is rescuing his people, they will come to know the Lord, the true God. And he's not the God of their, of, of their convenience or imagination, but he's the real God who rules creation. So the Lord does this so that we will know him. So can I ask, do you know him? Because God is giving you the same opportunity to know him today. He sends messengers with the good news of the gospel. He has shown us a sign. Turn with me uh, to Matthew 12 in the New Testament. In verse 38, it says this, And some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, Jesus. Sorry, is everyone there? Shall I give you a bit more time? 12, 38. I should have put it on the board, I'm sorry. In Matthew 12, verse 38, it says, Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered Jesus, saying, 
Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But Jesus answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The only sign, Jesus says, to be given is his cross and his empty tomb. So we have a sign from God. It may be one that people say, oh, that's pretty everyday. People claim to have risen back from the dead. It's pretty everyday. We can recreate that. But it is a sign given from God. Jesus says that. Um, but there, and there is a judgment, isn't there, for those who refuse to pay attention to the sign or heed its warnings. We've seen that God is in charge. But how should we respond to the one who rules over all creation, who brings signs and judgments so that people will be rescued and that all people will know him? How should I respond to the one who can soften or harden my heart to that end? But he's so good that he never leaves his people or breaks his promises and he pulls off the greatest rescues of all time. Well, you could do a pharaoh. Maybe pride will stop us listening or noticing the significance of God's power in his signs and warnings. Maybe we'll turn away and go back to a place where we're the ones who feel in charge. I don't know where that place is. But I think the best way to respond is right here in this chapter, actually. Moses and Aaron haven't always been the easy customers. But in verse 6, they show what people who recognise the Lord look like. Yeah, I need to find this verse. You can find it before me. Give you a race. Uh, it's there in verse 20, uh, and it's also there in verse 6. It says this, Moses and Aaron did so. They did just as the Lord commanded them. And in verse 20 it says, Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded them. People who recognise who the Lord is obey him willingly. And they're people who set the truth about who he is before pharaohs. So let's pray that we would be, and that God would humble us in this way, um, even when we face setbacks and knockbacks, um, that we would be people who respond to him in the right way, um, as the Lord, the Lord who rules and the Lord who is good. Let's pray. Almighty God, we're, uh, we're not really um, deserving, or we're not at all deserving of um, your patience and your kindness in showing us that you are God, and we're not. Um, I pray that we would respond to you rightly, that we would um, have you rule in our lives. Amen. Amen.